Hey, this is Jem Jackson, and welcome to this new episode of the I'm Still Standing podcast. This episode was recorded last week, Thursday, at our first live audience podcast event, Podcasts and Cupcakes. Our special guest was a dear friend of mine, Minister Donna Phillip, who will be the main speaker the Friday night of the I'm Still Standing Women's Retreat. It was amazing to have a space to fellowship and connect as a community, as well as engage in discussion. We'll definitely be hosting more of these events, probably a few times a year. And the topic for this podcast is, do you truly want to be healed? Inspired by John 5, 6. This episode has been brought to you by I'm Still Standing's inaugural retreat themed, Uncovering the Dysfunctions of Our Hearts. This two-day event will be held in Canada's stunning Blue Mountains at the Blue Mountain Conference Centre and Resort on March 29th and 30th. This girls' trip with a purpose is for women who want to go to the next step on their healing journey in order to be fully equipped to run the race God has called them to run. Tickets are $1.99 and include six sessions featuring some of Toronto's most anointed women of God. Main speakers are my pastor, Pastor Sharon Joy Witten of Toronto City Church, Adana Phillip of SOS Ministries, and of course, yours truly. We will also have amazing breakout sessions on each day. Our three sessions on the first day are mental health and trauma, finding light in the darkness, grief and loss, and recovering from childhood adversity. The second day, we'll turn up with Zumba, a paint party, and a prophetic worship experience. You don't want to miss this opportunity to move forward in your healing journey. And because I don't want you to have any reason to miss it, I'm offering my podcast listeners a discount code. Use code LISTENER50, LISTENER50 to receive $50 off your retreat pass. Click the Eventbrite link in the episode description to register. See you in March. All right, so thank you so much, everyone, for coming. This is the first time I'm doing something like this. And it's, I love it, because it's very intimate, and um, we get to have the feedback from the audience. Adana, do you mind? So actually, you kind of introduced yourself already, but yeah, but I don't think we recorded. Jamie, did we record that? We didn't, right? When Adana was in, no. So um, Adana is an author. She's a social worker with a graduate degree. She's also a minister and an amazing preacher and intercessor. Do you mind introducing yourself a little bit? I think Jem kind of said it all. Thank you for having me. Um, Really, I think the most interesting thing about me is my walk with God and my love for God. I really think that's what's special about me. Um, I'm just, like I kind of said before, in awe of who God is and what he does and what he will continue to do as long as you just allow yourself to be clear in his hands. And um, he's, he's placed me at a place where I can learn a lot. And I've been learning and I continue to learn from just amazing people, um, amazing mentors, my bishop, um, the elders in my church. Some people, you know, they don't know they're being mentors, but you're looking at them and looking at their walk with God and there's just so much inspiration in it. And part of that is with Jem as well. Like one of the biggest lessons I've learned and I'm learning is how to just really be radically obedient. And I must really say that lesson came from from watching Jem walk out her own faith. And I think that is such an important part of us becoming who God has called us to be. Like, you must be radically obedient. At all costs, you must be obedient. I think that's such a powerful lesson. So I'm just out here learning, (laughs) 
all that God um, would have me to. Really. Yeah. What is one thing that we'd be surprised to know about you? One thing you'd be surprised to know about me? Um, I have a random tendency of making songs, <laughs> writing my own songs. Um, usually it's more like a chorus. It's never like a fully developed song. And just um, singing my own songs. And sometimes I bring them to church and I try to sneak them in so people don't know. <laughs> but I have like a whole, maybe like 15 songs or more that, really? yeah, that I just, they just come up in certain seasons and they just really minister to me and I found it helpful to just kind of like record them on my phone so I don't forget and just always go back to them. Can I share one about you? <laughs> She's wildly adventurous, like jumping out of plane, like all types of crazy stuff. This girl will do. <laughs> yeah. I also eat crazy stuff, which is the other thing. I am very adventurous with my eating. I will try anything at least once. What's the craziest thing you've ever eaten? So that's always a hard question because what I find crazy, <laughs> I don't find a lot of things crazy. Um, oh my gosh. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I'm from Dominica, shout out to Dominica, yes, that's what we, that's what we, we, we figured out. Um, so we eat things like what we call a laser, which is like a big lizard, um, things like <laughs> uh, maniku, which is sort of, um, thank you very much, in the possum family, <laughs> she's like, oh, our national dish until recently was like the crab, like a crapo which people find weird. I don't think that's crab. weird at all. No, um, oh. not crab, frog, frog is what frog. I'm trying to say. Thank you. It's so good to have you here. Mountain chicken is what we call it, but people find that weird. I don't really think it's, um, it's all that weird. Um, what else? Just random things that I really don't find, find weird, but they're good, you should try it. That's my, my motto is try anything at least once, and then you can decide if <laughs> you should continue eating. But yeah. <laughs> Jenna's like, yeah. I will not be trying any of that. <laughs> it's so good though. Um, Adana really wanted to discuss John 5, 6 today. Um, so that scripture is, feel free to look it up. That's the man at Bethesda, the pool um, where people would get healing. And he was infirm for 38 years, I believe it was. Yeah. Does anyone have their Bible? I have my Bible in my backpack. <laughs> it's John chapter 5. It's actually verse, verse 2 to 8 is the full, the full story. But the verse that I wanted to focus on is verse 6. Verse 2 to 8. All right. So we're discussing John 5 verse 6. The man at Bethesda. Okay. All right, so verse two says, now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, which had an infirmity 38 years. 
when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long, a, a long time in that case, he said unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? And another translation says, um, do, you want, do you truly want to be healed? The NIV. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man. When the water is troubled to put me in the, into the pool, while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And immediately the man was made whole, and took up his bed, and walked. And on the same day was, was the Sabbath. Thank you. All right, that man, I, I was reading it, and I was like, that's interesting. The man was at the pool for a very long time, waiting. So the question that Jesus asked him I found very interesting, because Jesus asked him, do you truly want to be healed? You know, why, what are your thoughts on that? Like, why do you think Jesus asked him that? I feel like after 38 years, 38 years is a long time. And I feel like when we've been in a situation for a while, after, after a time we give up. We're like, you know what? It's been long enough. I've, we lose hope. We lose faith. We kind of get tired of the waiting. Sometimes waiting and hoping can, be, um, can take us to a place of vulnerability and disappointment that we don't always want to keep going back to. You know, this man must be like, you're not the first person who told me that I could be healed. You know what I mean? Like, that's why I've been coming here. And I've been trying this for 38 years. And I feel like after a while, we get so comfortable in our infirmity. We get so comfortable in our place of um, ill health, whether that is spiritual, physical, emotional. We get so comfortable and we don't, we don't want it because wanting it means stepping out in faith. Wanting it means hoping. Wanting it means saying that I actually believe that God can do it. But if God can do it, why didn't he do it over the past 38 years? Maybe he doesn't want me to have it. And I feel like that's a, a lot of times that's where we go or we go into that place of defensive pessimism. Well, I don't want it. I don't want it because um, I've been in the prayer line before. I've fasted about this before. I've prayed about this before. I've had those healers come and put their hands on me. Like I've been there and I've done that. And every time, every time I tell somebody, you know, God is going to do it for me and God is going to come through. And I, I leave the, the prayer session or whatever, whatever that is. And I go back to my, my normal life and it's the same thing. And I have to deal with this over and over and over again. So I'd rather not hope. I'd rather not want this. And I think defensive pessimism is something we use so much in life sometimes without even recognizing it. But defensive pessimism is the opposite of faith. Because faith says that bold thing that in spite of the fact that it's been 38 years, I still, I do want this. I still, I know what everybody has said. I know, you know, that most of the people around me have given up. I know that after 38 years, you know, even maybe the people who are the most hope would, after 38 years, I may have, you know, given up a couple of times and come back on board because our faith does that sometimes. Sometimes it takes those dips and it, it goes back high. But he's like, you know, God, Jesus, um, every time I try to do this, it doesn't work. And that's what we say sometimes. I've tried this before. It doesn't, doesn't work. Yeah, that was actually one of my questions about do you think that sometimes we don't try or hope because we're scared of being disappointed. Going in that prayer line again, I remember my mom, she has um, a back issue and she literally, at our old church, they actually got sick of her 
they would kind of laugh and be like, you're in the prayer line again for the same thing. But she eventually got healed. Like she kept on, kept on going. It's that persistent faith that God is looking for. Because that is that radical faith that says, you said, your word says that you're a healer. Your word says that healing is the children's bread. Your word says that by your stripes we are healed. Your word says that nothing good will you withhold from them that walk upright. Your word says this. If your word says it, it doesn't matter how long it takes, I'm going to keep believing it. And I think um, it's not so much about whether or not God wants to heal us. It's just what his timing is. And it's the timing that we can't wait on. If this man had said it's been 38 years, forget it, it's never going to happen, he would not have had, you know, the amazing testimony that he had. But it's because he, and not even him, like it was all grace because he came up with his excuses as much as we would have. Tried this before, it's not working. And Jesus said, I know it's been 38 years, and I'm paraphrasing, but this is your moment. I know it's been a long time coming, but this is your moment. I know it's been, you've been here before and you've had to go home all the time disappointed because it didn't happen again today. It didn't happen today. It didn't happen this time. But this is your time. I've always wanted you to be here. It's just a matter of the timing. Mm -hmm. But I think it's the faith. It's the faith. It's the faith. It's the faith that pleases God. Yeah. And my next question is actually about faith. In many scriptures, Jesus says directly or insinuates that our faith will make us whole, right? And just for reference sake, um, James 5, 14 to 15, Matthew 9, 22, Acts 3, 16. Um, what do you think f the role of faith is in our healing? Because sometimes I feel like you can go either way. Like I've heard like, oh, that person died because we didn't have enough faith. I don't know if that's necessarily true or or, you know, or the completely other end. So do you have any thoughts about what role our faith has in our healing? So the Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because if you're going to come to him, you must believe that he is. That he is a healer, if that's what you're looking for. That he is a provider, if that's what, what you must believe that you're, you're not just having a random conversation with a being out there who really doesn't care about you or really doesn't have power. If you're coming to somebody to ask for something, you must believe that they have the power to give it to you or else it's just a waste of time or else it's you're just doing it out of you know, religious duty. Okay, so they said we should pray, so I'm just praying. And you know, I've heard somebody pray about that before. I don't really believe it's going to happen, but I'll just pray about it. But I think um, faith pleases God because it, it, it shows that we know who he is. It shows that we understand the power that he holds. It shows that we, we understand that he is the I am and that indeed all power on, in heaven and on earth belongs to him. So I think when it's like going to you know, a parent or somebody to ask for something and knowing how much they love you, knowing that if, they, if it's within their power and they think it's the best thing for you, that they will give it to you. And it's that belief, it's that 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 just childlike belief that that no cynicism no um i'm hoping you know fingers crossed that it will happen but i really do honestly believe that because of the power that he has that he he can and will heal me yeah. so i think our faith definitely pleases pleases god he's he says it so many times like your faith your faith has made yeah. you whole i've never seen faith like that before one of the things that impressed Jesus the most was people's faith. He's like, wow, you have faith. You have faith. And because of that faith, because you believe, yeah. then 
the miracle, the miracle is yours. The, one of those, one scripture says, be it unto you according to your faith. Let it be, let it, let it happen to you according to the measure of your faith. He honors that. He really he does. does. He definitely does. And in verse 8, um, where Jesus says, stand up, stand up, pick up your sleeping mat and walk. I tried to play that out in my head. So the man is lying down. Jesus says he's going to be healed. And he says, stand up and pick up your mat. I'm assuming that he didn't feel better before he stood up. He's been lying down for 38 years. 38, if, like I can't even conceptualize being um, paralyzed or infirm for 38 years. That is a really long time. Um, how difficult do you think it was for him to just, like what is, I'm trying to even just imagine what he was thinking, like stand up. You know, it's almost like within um, the act of standing up that was showing his faith because he hasn't stood up in 38 years. Exactly so how difficult do you think it was for him or what do you think was going on in his head when Jesus asked him to do that? But I think exactly what you said, I think that's the demonstration of faith. That's the demonstration of faith that, that God is looking for. And I'm sure, you know, for a brief second, the Bible, the Bible doesn't tell us, but he may have had the, when you say stand up and take up my mat, like what, what, what do you mean? Like, I don't know what that is. I don't even know if there's strength in my legs or like, I don't know. But he showed that, you know what? If you say it, I'm going to do it. If, 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 if I get a command from the God who created the heaven and earth, if I get a command from Jesus, if I get a command from, you know, like God who is unlimited, all, all powerful, all knowing that says get up, even if I've never done it before. I don't even know what that looks like. I don't know what it feels like. I don't even know if I could do it, but I'm going to walk in faith and obedience. And I think that's the other part of it as well. Just being obedient, even when it doesn't make sense. Because sometimes I feel like a lot of things that, that um, God leads us to do, or the Spirit of God leads us to do, sometimes it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I feel like that's exactly where our faith comes in. It's saying, even when it doesn't make sense to my natural mind, even when it doesn't make sense to my, um, my logical mind, because we can be so logical sometimes that I'm going to do it just because you said that I could. Because there's power in your words. And I'm going to walk in obedience even when it's not, even when it doesn't make sense. Because if, we, if we're going to wait for what the Spirit of God is leading us to to make sense, then we'll never move and we'll never experience the power of God. All the things in the Bible, you know, we read of today and we think, oh my gosh, that was such an amazing miracle. A lot of the instructions made zero sense. You're trying to cross to get away from the Egyptians. There's, there's, there's the army behind you. There's a Red Sea before you. God, you took us out of the Egyptians' land. Um, how are we getting to? And he says, stretch out your rod. When you say stretch out my rod, though, like, I'm not sure where you're going with this. But in obedience and in faith, because Moses understood who God was, he did that. He's much around Jericho while we're trying to take, you don't have a, a more strategic battle plan, like you can't come up with something. But he's like, no, I want you to, that's what I want you to do because it's not by might and it's not by power, it is by my spirit. It's not going to be done through you, it's going to be done through me. And I want you to know when you come out of that, that it wasn't you. I want you to know that it was me. So all the glory goes to me if I give you something that makes zero sense. But if you walk in obedience, then I will show you who I am. I will manifest. And 
the world will see and know. Like, Israel did not get the land because they were strong. <laughs> yeah. They got the land because they had a God who was all powerful and who was mighty. He gets all the glory. He gets all the glory, and that's what, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. All the glory goes to God. And, and, you know, when we feel like we can do things on our own or when we feel like we can do things in our own might or in our own strength, then we, we tend to keep, you know, the enemy comes, you know, you could have done that. You know, that, was, that wasn't so hard after all. But when God really brings us through those things that just make zero sense, then you know. You know you cannot take any credit for what he's done. So... Absolutely true. Um, is, there, is there a time, or can you share with us a time that you experienced something like the man of Bethesda? So one of the most recent, um, recent one of my most recent battles that I haven't really spoken about publicly is um, my own battle with insecurity. And it's more common than we think it is, but it's not something that we talk about a lot. And especially when people see you doing things, they assume that you know you have it all together. And so if you talk about insecurity, people are like, nah, you know, you can't possibly be insecure. Um, but it, it had been going on for so long, and I feel like last year the Holy Spirit was just trying to dig up some old stuff that I tried to like bury and sort of li sort of um, just move on with the rest of my life. And He was trying to dig it up, and I'm like. I've tried to address this before, and I'm still here. Like, I've, tr I've tried to pray about this before, and I'm still here. I've tried to, you know, to, to get out of this rut before, and I'm still here. And I'm learning to live with it, because that's what we do so often. We just learn to live with things as opposed to face them. And one of my, I really love testimonies. Um, I really love reading other people's testimonies, because it just gives me that strength. And the Bible says, we will overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of our testimony. But, um, so I was reading this testimony um, of Pastor Tori Roberts, Sarah Jakes Roberts' husband, and he was talking about his own battle. And um, it hit me like a ton of bricks that you're going to have to live like this for the rest of your life. And that was, it was a very overwhelming, <laughs> very powerful feeling, like you're going to be like this for the rest of your life. And in that moment, I, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was giving me a choice. You can choose to live like this for the rest of your life. I know you've tried to pray about it before. I know you've tried to deal with it in different ways. I know you've tried and you, keep, you feel like you're going in this cycle, but do you, actually, do you actually believe that you can be healed completely? And I really just, I think I really just said, you know what, I, I, I don't want to live like this. I refuse to live like this for the rest of my life. So I am actually accepting what you're doing now. It didn't work for me before, but I actually, I still believe that God can do it now. And um, I said yes. And I feel like lad, towards the end of last year and um, coming into this year has been such an incredible healing process. I feel like all the things that waited for years and years and years and kind of lingered and stayed like, it was almost like the healing went from like zero to 100. Like he just did some quick work and turned some things around so powerfully. Some things that I really thought I'd had to live with for the rest of my life because I was really getting resigned to that faith. Like, okay, so this is how it's gonna be. Mm -hmm. But in the past six or seven months or so, God has really done some amazing, amazing things for me in terms of healing me through or from my insecurity. So even now compared to seven months ago, I'm not 
that same girl that I used to be. And one of the things that really um, spoke to me was kind of like what Jesus said to the man. He's like, I don't just want you to get up, but I want you to take up your bed and walk with it. I don't just want you, I don't just, I don't just want to heal you and then you leave your testimony. Your bed is your testimony. You need to walk with that. People need to know that that bed you're carrying was one that you were laying on for 38 years. And I think that's so powerful because, again, a lot of times as believers, we try to leave our testimonies behind. But that testimony is so powerful. And part of what I sort of said in my heart, I'm like, you know what? For all the years that I had to struggle with insecurity, I am going to make sure the enemy is sorry that he ever tried to inflict it on me. Because I'm going to try to reach out to as many people who have that struggle and just let them know, you, you actually don't have to walk in that. God really did create you uniquely and for a purpose. And you really do have worth and you really do have value. And you are you know, God's created. Like, do you understand what it means to be the apple of his eyes? Do you understand what it means to be uniquely loved by God? So I have promised myself that the enemy is going to be so sorry that he ever inflicted me with that spirit of infirmity. And I feel like that's a lot of what, a lot of what God wants. He's like, don't leave your bed. Take up your bed. Go with your bed. That people will know that you're that same man who laid by that pool for 38 years. Don't leave your testimony behind. Don't leave that. That is your, your gateway to giving God glory. That is your gateway to just releasing other people because when people see you walking with that bed, then that increases their faith because when we hear other people's testimony, our faith is, is increased. Our faith is spurred. If God can do it for her, if God can do it for him, then he can definitely do it for me. So if you leave your testimony behind, how are you inspiring anybody else's faith? Your, your testimony or where you've been is not a source of shame. It's a source of of, of, of praise. It's when you remember, when you constantly remember where God has brought you from, you just want to give him glory and you, you have to tell somebody. That's so good. I never, I never thought of it like that, that him carrying around the bed is his, it's true. It's such a reminder that he was sleeping on this bed or laying on this bed for 38 years. That is so true. And I, I've experienced that too. The most recent one was um, when I was almost diagnosed with an autoimmune disorder. And I, complete, I was completely non-functional, sleeping 20 out of 24 hours a day, wearing a wrist brace, couldn't use my hand, and I had just kind of given up. And I was like, you know what, I guess this is, <laughs> I have to learn how to live like this. I have to learn with live, sleeping for 20 hours out of 24 hours. I don't even know how that would be possible. But, and it was my mom that was like, Jem, no, like you're, you're giving, you're just accepting this. No, you can't accept this. And I went on for a couple of months like that. Um, and I can't remember what the situation was, but at a moment something clicked and I was like, hold on. If I'm to do what God has called me to do, I need my hands, first of all, and I can't be sleeping 20 out of 24 hours a day. Not possible. Like that's not possible. The doctors had no idea what was going on. They wanted to just put me off work indefinitely. And um, something clicked and I was like, no, no. I took off the brace and I was like, no, this is not, this is not gonna work. And from that day, I've been fine. Like literally fine, you know? So sometimes it's just actually walking it out mm -hmm. and it's so hard, you know, but it's just walking, actually walking it out, picking up that mat and standing up, even though you don't know if those legs are even gonna hold you up at the time right and sometimes you know 
even when it comes to especially emotional healing. Sometimes why Jesus had to ask the question to some of us is because we're afraid to let things go because we assume that letting things go, which is essential to our healing, means letting people go. So if I allow myself to be healed, which means I allow myself to not be so broken or so angry or so um, resentful about X, Y, Z, that I'm letting this person who did this thing to me get away scot-free. I'm, I'm, I'm letting this person um, not pay, as if in some weird way when we hold it in, they're paying. But the only people that are paying is us, <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes people go on with their lives and don't even remember what they did. Or if they, they remember, they've learned to live with it. But we assume that um, if we hold on to them, somehow it's, it's, it's harming them. And so that's why I feel like sometimes it's like, do you actually want to be free from this? Do you want to be healed from whatever has happened to you in the past? And I know it's been hard. I know it's been devastating. I understand the impact and the, the effect that it's had on you. But if you want, I can take that away. I can take away that bitterness. And I think I came to, to, to God with so much bitterness and anger and hatred and resentment. And, you know, I, I, one of the most amazing things that he did was take that away from me. And I had to recognize that your healing or your walking in that really means you forgiving people who don't deserve forgiveness necessarily, but neither do you, they'll never ask you for forgiveness. They're never going to say, I'm sorry. And then, but if you want to be healed, and if you want to walk in the fullness and the purpose of God for your life, then you have to just let it, you have to let it go. You have to allow God to do the deep and hard work with you, in spite of who goes scot-free. And that's, um, I forgot to mention at the beginning, Adana is going to be um, one of the speakers at the retreat. Um, and that's a big part of it, like our emotional healing. Like, I mean, physical healing, not to diminish it, I feel like it can be a little easier for us to process than the emotional healing, like from sexual abuse, divorce, all those things that cause these um, real inner hurts in our hearts and deep roots of bitterness and unforgiveness. Those can sometimes be harder to give up to God than even the physical healing, right? And um, I, I know, too, for myself, like, anger, unforgiveness was huge. And yeah, you're right. Like, if you forgive someone, then does that mean that what they did was okay? Right? But the word says, just as he's forgiven us, we must forgive them as well. And Lord knows he's forgiven me a whole lot of times. So, <laughs> I, you know, like, how can we... And I shouldn't really say how can we, but if we really think in light of all that God has done for us, in light of how much he's forgiven us, like everything he asks us to do is always in light of who he is. It's always in light of his love, in, in light of the way that his compassion and his, his unconditional, unfailing, ever-present grace and mercy um, restores us and what that does for us in light of that. You know, is it, is it really asking too much to forgive somebody else? And I'm not saying it's going to take a little while, because sometimes forgiveness is something you have to pray. Like, I've had to pray and fast for the grace to forgive and for the grace to be free of resentment and bitterness. Like, and not one time and not a two-day fast. Like, I've had to really <laughs> seek earnestly the face of God in order to be able to, um, in order to be able to, have the grace to just forgive. So I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying it's easy, but it's, 
for the glory of God, for you to allow yourself to be all that he's created you to be. Because you can't be the, the, the woman of, of valor, the woman of virtue, the woman who, who does all that God wants her to, be, to do if you're still stuck in that place of unforgiveness and bitterness. Because it holds us back. It holds it's us like back. It's a dead weight, right? It is. It's definitely a dead weight. Something that um, helps me, well, two things. One is remembering that the Lord loves that person just as much as he loves me. And I know I've prayed, like, Lord, are you sure that this is really you're sure? But he does love them just as much as he loves me. And that kind of helps me, you know, be balanced. And the other thing that helps me as well in terms of forgiveness is remembering, remembering that we wrestle not against flesh and blood. It's not the person. It's not the person. The person is just... You know, sometimes the enemy can work through people or whatever. That person is just a person. It's not them, right? So remembering that helps me helps me with forgiveness because I have a long memory, a really long memory. So it's something that I have to constantly, you know, pray about, um, especially deep hurts from the past, right? So those are two things that definitely help me. So what about when we pray, we pray, we fast, we fast, and still nothing what do you like what are your thoughts about that because it could be very discouraging could be very disheartening whether it's physical healing emotional healing um how should we or how do you think we should proceed or what does the word say about proceeding in our journey one of the things one of the scriptures and i'm the person who can tell you the scripture but i can never tell you where it's actually taken from <laughs> my mind doesn't process numbers um, but one of the one one scripture says do not cast away your confidence for it will be greatly rewarded. And in the Bible in King, King James Version, so it says, cast not away your confidence, but it has great recompense of reward. And I feel like the only reason that needed to be included there was because um, Jesus understood that there were some times where you're going to feel like letting go of that confidence, letting go of that hope. And that's why he's saying, in spite of what it might look like, in spite of how long it might seem, do not do not, regardless of what you're going through, do not throw away that hope or that confidence because in due season, it will be greatly rewarded. And I think we always have to remember that due season, due season, due season, due season for me may seem like now and for in the light of God who sees time from the beginning to the end, it may seem like in the next five years. And I think that's exactly what happened with um, the man who'd been ill for, for 38 years. 38 years. The woman with the issue of blood suffered for, for 12 years. God gave Abraham a promise and he didn't see come to pass until decades later. Like the people in the Bible, we read the stories and it may be um, in just a chapter or two chapters, but there was a lot of waiting for that manifestation. And I feel like there's always a, there's always a season, there's always a period between the promise and the manifestation of the promise. And it's about what you, it's about not, not allowing your faith to, to just go down, not allowing your faith to disappear while you're waiting for the promise to be manifested. Because it's when we do that that we get ourselves in all sorts of trouble. It's when we, when, you know, we think, you know, God, I, I heard what you said. I believed you in the moment, but I assumed that when you said it, you meant tomorrow. <laughs> I assumed that when I prayed the prayer, you know, that you would heal me by next week. I assumed that when I laid on my face before you, that I'd get up and I'd be whole. 
And sometimes it happens like that, but sometimes it's a gradual process because sometimes it's about that strengthening our faith. Sometimes it's not always about that immediate gratification, but understanding that in spite of God is God and I'm going to wait on him in spite of how long it seems. Um, and I'm going to maintain my relationship with him and continue to honor him as God and praise him in spite of what it seems like. Because we're all going to have to wait. Whether it's for your healing or for whatever it is that you're asking God for, not everything you ask God for is going to happen tomorrow morning. So we all have to wait, but it's about how you wait on God. Because if you wait, and a lot of people do that, they wait and they pray with, with, with they pray in this five minutes, and in the next five minutes, they use their, their words to destroy everything they prayed about. So, you know, I'm praying for my children to, be, to get saved. And in the next five minutes, you know, we're telling them how they're good for nothing and how, you know, they're never going to be. Like, you just pray. You cannot pray and ask God for, for this in the moment and then talking about how it's never going to happen. You can't ask him, you know, heal me, Lord, and then the pain is still there in the next... Uh, um, two days and you're talking about it, it's always going to be like this, I'm never, it's never going to get better. Like you, Your words need to line up with your prayer. And I feel like that's so important because life and death, the Bible tells us, is in the power of our tongues. And the way we use it is so important. We can't just say any and anything out of our mouth. Our daily conversation, our daily confessions must line up with the prayer that we pray. It must feed that because that feeds our faith. So in spite of when you're waiting on God, in spite of what it feels like, even if all you can say is just what the word says, then that's enough. Because, you know, sometimes I remember, <laughs> I remember um, one, one season I went to the hospital to pray for a lady who was dying of um, stomach cancer. And I went there the night, prayed for her, came home, and I had the worst stomach ache I have ever experienced in my life that very same night and it was it just continued to happen every month for a good chunk of time and all I could say in that pain is heal me and I shall be healed that's what the word says that's no big up big up prayer it's not a it's not this deep and profound prayer I'm just saying what I see in the word you know heal me and I shall be healed it's not deep in any way I'm just agreeing with you because that's what you said and that's what I'm gonna say and, or even something like, by his stripes I am healed. And just having that confession and, and holding on to that. And yes, I experienced my healing. So even in those moments where it doesn't feel like you're receiving the promise, I think our confession, what we say is so powerful. Don't downplay it when you're talking to somebody else so they don't know you have hope. Because sometimes we do that. So people don't know I'm secretly hoping, I'm secretly believing God for my healing, so I'm just going to say, I'm just going to go with this. Oh, you know this thing? No, we have to confess what we really in our hearts believe because you can't you know, tell God what's the one thing behind closed doors and then tell you know, your friends or whoever else is listening something when, when the situation arises. It is what it is. I, I'm waiting on God for my healing and I actually believe he's going to do it, even when I don't feel like it. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to subscribe so that you get notified immediately when we have a new episode. For more information or to contact us, visit our website at imstillstandingseries.com. Standing for so long, I 
Standing tall. 